Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. This experience happened to me about a year ago, and to this day it still creeps me out. I work at a local nursing home in my town, and it has a reputation of seeing and experiencing paranormal activity. I worked nights when this happened. I went home for lunch one night, and it was about 2.30 in the morning. I first checked on my husband and the kids, as I usually do. Then I typically grab a coffee and something to eat. Well, everyone was asleep, and the house was extremely quiet. I started making my coffee, paying no mind to anything else. And I feel this tug on the bottom of my scrubs, and I hear, Mommy? I have three kids, the younger being a two-year-old boy. So I turn around, and I see nothing. Needless to say, I didn't need my coffee that night. My house is very old, and my landlord's son did pass away at a young age in what is now my son's room. I went back to work telling my co-workers what happened, and they said it sounds like the little ghost girl from work must have followed me home. It's a year later, and I still hear her through the house, even find my son talking to someone or something. I see her from time to time peeking around corners. She doesn't bother us, but seems to love my son's toys. I know this is a bit long, but I thought I'd share my experience. And that story is from Stephanie. This is a crazy story from earlier this week. I'm a home inspector and I had an inspection on a home that was built in 1942. It had been empty for a couple of years. The client wanted an inspection to determine what needed to be done. She was there cleaning while her elderly mom, who is the actual owner, sat out in a sunroom. The walls were stained from years of cigarette smoke. Half the lights were either burned out or did not work at all. And most of the heavy curtains were still closed, which casted a dark mood throughout the entire house. Now, being empty for so long, the house was pretty much a mess. I was in the unfinished, damp, and dimly lit basement, and I noted that the water heater was off. So, I went to check with the owner to see if we could go ahead and turn it back on. As I rounded the foot of the stairs, I looked up, and I could see the shadow cast along the stairway wall of someone that appeared to be sweeping in the ground floor kitchen. Now I called my client by name and could see whoever it was continue to sweep. I assumed it had to be my client since her mother had mobility issues and had to use a walker. I called her name again and started up the steps. As I ascended the stairway, I saw the shadow, still sweeping, backing away until it disappeared through the doorway to the left that led into the kitchen. Within a couple of seconds, I was at the landing and stepped into the now-empty kitchen. There was a single lamp on the counter that had cast the shadow that I had seen of the mystery sweeper. I heard no footsteps at all. I called out again with a, hello? But still no answer. I walked through the dining room and the den, the old floor squeaking beneath each step that I took. No one could take a single step in that house without giving themselves away. I stepped into the sunroom, her mom is sitting in a lawn chair reading a magazine. I asked, is your daughter here? She looked at me with a puzzled look. No, she answered, and pointed toward the front door. She went out front some time ago. I think she had a phone call. So I walked back through the den and looked out the front door. 
Sure enough, there was my client out there by the curb talking on the phone. What the heck did I just see? I told my partner and it gave him the willies. Now I've heard doors close in other rooms before when no one else was in the home, but this was a first for me, to actually see some kind of an image. I'm not really sure that I want to perform solo inspections on any old homes anymore. My client's parents were not the original owners, but they had lived there since the early 1960s. Her father had passed away a few years ago. It gave me the willies as well, but I wasn't really frightened. Does anyone have any thoughts on what I might have seen? That story comes from David. I was standing in my parents' room, talking to my very sick dad at the time. He was dying of stage 4 esophageal cancer. I got the feeling that something was behind me. I looked towards the doorway to the living room and something about four foot six and fully black is peeking around the corner with its hands on the door frame. I ran towards it and it slipped back around the door. When I got outside the doorway, there was nothing. My dad was obviously completely confused when I stepped back inside the room and tell him what I saw. People who stayed at my house in my dad's final days claimed to have seen it. My mom saw the figure on multiple occasions in multiple places until he passed away. We haven't seen it since. That story is from Zoe. Twenty-some years ago, I was in a very abusive relationship. After a year of daily beatings and many unsuccessful attempts to leave the situation, I saw no other way out. I swallowed 60 sleeping pills. I took them at work after everybody else had left. I figured that I could make it to the subway, then fall asleep during the commute, and no one would take notice until the very last stop. My plans were disrupted. My lover and abuser picked me up at work. When we got to the subway, I was already moving very slowly and my speech was slurred. He thought I was drunk. When we got off, he knew something was very wrong. He dragged me home and finally threatened me into telling him what I had done. Do you honestly think I'm going to call an ambulance and save your effing life? He yelled at me. I don't care, I vaguely remembered responding. He called 911 anyhow, dragged me down the four flights of our apartment building and made me walk up and down the sidewalk. You can't go to sleep, he kept yelling at me. In the ambulance, someone kept asking me questions and I begged, just let me go to sleep. I felt as though I was experiencing a very high dose of nitrous oxide and had never felt more wonderful in my life. Then came the fog. I wandered around in this fog for what seemed like an eternity. Spirits approached me from all sides. Some I recognized as friends who were still alive. Some I recognized as people who were dead. Many I did not recognize at all. I do not remember what they had to say, but overall I felt as though the general message was that I was not done on this earthly plane. When I woke up, I was in a hospital room. The girl in the bed next to me gasped. It's about time. You drove me nuts all night when you're talking to all kinds of invisible people. 
I was back. For years thereafter, whenever I felt safe enough to share this experience with someone, I got this warm feeling. If it hadn't been for the danger involved, I no longer wanted to die. I would have tried to bring that experience back. The only thing that confused me was the near-death description of other people. I never saw a light or a tunnel. Did I really experience a near-death? Years later, I read a book called The Other Side and Back by Sylvia Brown, a psychic who often appears on TV. In one of her chapters, she describes what happens to suicides. And there it was, the fog. Sylvia calls it the gray area. A suicide is met on the other side by spirits who successfully made the transition and by those who are still confused. Either side tries to pull you their way. At last, I understood what I had gone through. That story is from Heidi Kaminsky in Michigan. My husband Jim and I were intrigued by studies indicating that people dream as many as five dreams per night. Unless we write them down after waking, we usually forget them. So we kept pens and pads on our bed tables and recorded our dreams while they were still fresh in our minds. Interpreting them was confusing in as much as symbols don't always have the same meaning to everyone. To help us understand, we bought and studied numerous books on the subject. It was always exciting to experience deja vu and trace events back to earlier dreams. Since we believed dreams were a gift of the Holy Spirit, we felt as it was God's way of helping us cope with life. Our belief stemmed from biblical stories where prophets avoided adversity by heeding their visions and their dreams, such as the story where Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and saved the Egyptians from starvation during a seven-year drought. While dreams are helpful, they don't reveal everything. My husband's premature death following surgery caught me completely unprepared. After adjusting to the shock, I sought a way to ease my grief. It seemed logical to me that Jim would contact me through dreams if such communications were possible. And he did. Usually he said little, if anything. But he looked so healthy and vibrant that I felt consoled. I knew that he was home with God. While that was a comforting thought, it did nothing to ease my loneliness. I missed our marriage partnership and I wondered why I had been left behind. For two years, I kept busy with family, church, reading, and writing. One night, I prayed for a sign telling me what I should do with the rest of my life. After I fell asleep, I had a lucid dream where Jim appeared and he embraced me. My senses were so enhanced. I smelled his aftershave and felt the warmth of his lips. I love you, Sally, but it's time for me to go on to a higher plane. I heard his voice so clearly. Your grieving is hampering my transition. I'll always love you and care for you, but I must move on, just as you must start a new life for yourself. As if viewing a movie... I watched angels appear on each side of Jim and escort him out of my front door. Still dreaming, I heard hammering in my kitchen. I went there and I found a tall, slender man. 
his face concealed by a huge letter E, replacing my back door. Don't be afraid and don't worry. I'll keep you safe and take care of you the rest of your life, the man assured me in a voice that I did not recognize. Still smelling Jim's aftershave, I awakened with the vision etched clearly in my mind. I lay quietly, trying to interpret my dream. The part about Jim ascending to the higher place was understandable. But what about the stranger whose face was concealed behind the letter E? I waited and I waited for Jim's next dream appearance to gain an explanation. Days passed into weeks, but Jim no longer materialized in my dreams. During that time, a friend introduced me to her widowed cousin, an intelligent, attractive man with a delightful sense of humor and an engaging personality. After a year's courtship, we married. A few weeks later, Jim appeared in a dream. He didn't speak, but his captivating smile told me that he approved of my marriage to Mel Ingeman. That story is from Sally Kelly Ingeman in Loveland, Colorado. My mother, Lolly Holland, died on the morning of New Year's Eve, 1999. Almost 90 years old, she was in poor health and ready to go. But it was hard for me to get used to not having her in this world, and I felt lost without her, knowing I would never see her again. I just could not seem to get on with my life. I felt I hadn't said a proper goodbye or thanked her enough for giving me my life and teaching me how to appreciate it. One day, several weeks after her funeral, I found myself very sleepy in the middle of an afternoon. I laid down to take a nap. I fell asleep almost immediately. Then I had a strange and very vivid dream. It seemed that the phone at my bedside rang and woke me up. I had been very deep in sleep and I fumbled the receiver as I tried to answer and could croak out, Hello? In a voice full of sleep, then I managed to clear my throat and say hello more clearly. The response I got was astounding. It was my mother's voice sounding young and strong again. And she said hello with amusement in her tone as if she was enjoying my clumsy attempts to answer the phone. It's mother, I thought, but I did not say anything aloud. What could I say? How are you? I knew how she was. She was dead. After a short pause, she said carefully, as if being sure to make herself understood, this is the last goodbye in this life. Then she said something that has left me wondering to this day about what exactly she meant. Slowly and empathetically, she said, The key is, I am. I thought immediately that this was a very important message, and I also had the impression that she was not supposed to be telling me this. I am? I asked. The key is, I am. She repeated in the same deliberate, emphatic way. Then it seemed to me that someone else was near her, perhaps hearing her end of the conversation, because she broke off and made a joking remark in a light tone, and then she was gone. The line wasn't just dead, it was absolutely silent, and I was instantly wide awake. 
I did not have the phone in my hand, so apparently the phone call had been a dream. But it was absolutely the most real dream of my life. And I knew beyond a doubt that this was a message from my mother, and it was very important and very real. What did it mean? I had the impression that it was something mother had learned after death. Something that she thought would be helpful, maybe vital, for me to know. When I told my partner, Beth, about this dream, she said, I think you can take it to the bank. Because I, I guess, prayed to Lolly and told her, Tony needs to know that you're alright. Maybe that dream was the answer to Beth's prayer. But if it was, it was more than just a reassuring message of farewell. It was also a clue to some greater meaning which my mother thought was so important that she contacted me from the other side of death to tell me. Since then, I've run across several references to I am in my reading. Once or twice for a fleeting moment, I've gasped at a meaning that I can't really express. All I know is my mother, for I do believe that that really was her, she did contact me from beyond the grave. She gave me a message to help me in this life. It was a message like nothing I had ever heard my mother say before. And I do believe that she really wanted me to have the key. I will keep trying to understand it, and someday that key may unlock a mystery. That story was from Antoinette in Austin, Texas. You have been listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories Presents Eerie Encounters. If you have an eerie encounter that you would like read on the show, please send it to hillbillyhorrorstories at gmail.com.